0: Welcome back to Closure Optional. Now, I don't have a guest for you this week, and that's okay because this is, well, you know, it's my fucking podcast. I could do whatever I want. I have a couple tiny little tidbits of exciting news for you. First of all, uh, we are doing a live podcast here on the Gold Coast on the 20th of January with the current world light heavyweight Muay Thai champion, Ben Johnston. I interviewed him on a podcast a little while ago, and it was a very fun and silly conversation, and we are going to do it again. This time we're going to do it live in front of an audience of humans. So that's neat, isn't it? Um, I'm pretty excited about it. So if you want to come, we had to make tickets for it because the venue's only got 50 uh, seats for 50 people. So if you want to come, uh, you can get in touch with me on any of my social media, on my website, or in the gym, and uh, get yourself a ticket there. It's five bucks, and all of the proceeds of this thing go to helping the people who helped me put it together, and to give Ben some booze so that he says something embarrassing on the podcast. <laughs> um, besides that, today I'm going to be talking about the start of manuary and the sort of illusory nature of the self, what it means to be a self, what is a sense of self, and how the fuck do you sell yourself to other people on the internet when you don't even know what the fuck you are. A friend of mine once said uh, that there is nothing uglier than a girl who knows she's beautiful. And I thought, hey, that's an interesting point, but... What does that say about you and your current state of well-being? Because when I noticed myself swiping away on Tinder, if somebody was like extraordinarily good-looking, I'd be like, gross, you're probably a loser. (laughs) Gross, you're probably an idiot. (laughs) And then I realized, like, ah, maybe I'm totally insecure and terrified of humans. And I think that, really, I think that's actually (laughs) the truth. So... This has been a super fun experiment so far. We're one week in, and the first week was Tinder. So if anyone doesn't know, um, if you don't follow my social media, then you probably don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But my flatmate, Melina, and I do a monthly challenge every month where we just do something different for the course of the month because we can. Why not? I first got the, got this idea from my brother's girlfriend in California. She um, comes up with a fun name for the month, and then she, you know, gives herself a challenge, and they try to hold to it, like not using plastic for a whole month, for example, or not having any dairy, or uh, being a vegetarian. So we've done a few of these challenges. One of them was we called it November, where we had to write three pages in a notebook every day for the entire month of November. Uh, as a sort of mental health exercise and to see what we could find out about our internal psyche. And that was super cool. That was probably my favorite challenge so far. And then I felt the best in... Um, it, we called it Shoggy for August, and it was sugar-free August, where we didn't have any sugar, no processed sugars, not even honey for the whole month of August. And, uh, fuck, I felt amazing. I felt so good after it. And then, of course, I binged to fuck on sugar after that. So, you know... um. But anyway, so we were supposed to do date December, and then both of us were (laughs) sort of concerned about our mental health after the end of November, and uh, both decided that we just needed to take a little break, and we weren't probably ready to go on a bunch of dates with a bunch of dudes that we met on the internet. So we've postponed date December, and it has now become manuary. And this is the challenge. We have to use one dating app per week for the entire month. So it's a total of four different apps. Uh, right now, we've got Tinder, then Bumble, then um, uh, Plenty of Fish, I think. And then we, I don't know that we have a fourth one yet. We're trying to figure out what the fourth one will be for the last month or last week. Uh, we have to talk to somebody every single day. And by the end of each week, we have to go on or ask someone on a date. And this first week, it was Tinder. I don't know why we picked like the monolith of online dating apps to start with, because it could peter out towards the end, but either way, we used Tinder this first week and fucking hell. I, I, it's pretty amazing that I've reached 2019 with have never used Tinder yet and been single for at least, I, I don't know, on and off for the last five years and fucking never tried it. I don't know. I was always scared of it. That, the idea of having like a virtual bar in my pocket where people stare at me and decide if I look good enough to talk to just gave me pure anxiety. But this is exactly why we needed to do this challenge, because uh, Melina and I tend to isolate ourselves, stay at home I work on this shit. I talk to strangers on the internet through a podcast because it's safe. It's fun for me. It's exciting for me to use my brain. And this way, I don't have to have a feedback loop that tells me I'm a piece of shit. Well, I mean, I kind of do. Honestly, when I put a podcast out every week, I I immediately feel like I've just shouted into an empty room and everyone just left. (laughs) There's definitely some vulnerability in producing content of any kind. And especially the kind of content like this where like I, I put a podcast out and then there's not any kind of response so it does feel I it feels a bit lonely but I don't know I'm addicted to the feeling of it. I fucking love doing this thing and every once in a while uh, I notice that more people are listening or people send me messages and I remember oh yeah fuck people actually hear this shit and they get something out of it so it's you know it's definitely worthwhile but um I don't know I I've, I've like decided that I'm above dating apps or whatever and then I just have this like imagination in my head that someone's just going to someday listen to my podcast and think I'm amazing, and then just like appear at my house, which would be fucking creepy when you think about it. That'd be so gnarly. I would I would actually probably beat them up if somebody appeared at my house and was like, "Hey, I like your podcast. Should we date each other?" I'd probably kick them in the head. Um, but in, I don't know. In my head, I just imagine that someone would like find me and I wouldn't have to deal with like, you know, putting myself out there, possibly being rejected, whatever. So we sat down with each other and we said, no, fuck it. We're going to go straight down, face our fears, face this weird addiction and need for att- attention and validation and the love of a man. And we're going to actively talk to people on the Internet for an entire month. And then we do, as a condition of this, we have to ta- have a full ban on all dating apps for the next month after Manuary's over. So we're not turning this into some kind of fucking lifestyle choice. I don't want to become a Tinder junkie. So my first experience of this, now forgive me if I'm a bit naive here, because like I said, I'd never done any kind of dating app before this, so I'm having like all these amazing shock revelations about what it's like to be on Tinder, and all of you who've been on Tinder in the past are probably like, yeah, fucking we all know that, because that's what Tinder's like, and I, I had no idea. Um, and if you, you know, live inside a cave somewhere and you don't know what Tinder is, it's an app where a person has to swipe left or right. If you like the looks of somebody, you say yes. I think I don't remember what direction it is. You say yes to them. If they also said yes to your silly photos, then you match each other. Then you're allowed to start talking to each other. If they didn't like your picture, but you like theirs, then you'll never know. They'll never know, and you'll never talk to each other, and vice versa. If they like you and you don't like them back, you'll never know. Nobody's any the wiser. So. Um, I mean, as a as a concept, I suppose it kind of makes sense, but it's it definitely, absolutely built with this, like, oh, neat, this is a great idea. This is what happens in bars, and people should be able to do that all the time on their phone. Not taking into consideration the fact that, like, yeah, it's fun to feel like what heroin feels like, but it's not good to freebase and fucking inject it into your arm 24-7. Like we're not dealing, we're not really acknowledging that the human psyche is not really designed to have this much affection and attention (laughs) in a romantic way in such a short period of time, or not in romantic. I use that term loosely. I should probably say sexual way rather than romantic. But anyway, Um, so as soon as I got on there, I found myself like meticulously reading every single person's bio. like if they don't have a bio and they've only got one or two pictures, like I just, you know, I don't know what to do. I just get stuck there. I'm just kind of staring at them, trying to figure out if they're a nice person or not. Um, So like if for any guys out there that are trying to build a Tinder profile or you're considering having one or whatever you want to improve yours, here's just, this is my two cents, all right? If I, these are like my immediate no's. If somebody's taking a selfie in the gym mirror, and they're making a dumb face because they're trying to squeeze their abs real hard, I immediately swipe no. Like, I just can't. I, I just imagine that whoever's the guy taking a selfie in the gym into a mirror with no concept of aesthetics is just going to be a complete fucking moron. So I just <laughs> say no. You might be a really nice guy, but I just look at that like, what a fucking idiot, and I just go right past it. Um, if you've got a bunch of pictures on there, but you don't have a single one where I can see your eyes as well, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like you can kind of tell a little bit maybe about somebody if you can see their eyes. So if you have a bunch of photos of you with sunglasses on and I can't tell what you're like, I'll probably say no also. Uh, if you're not smiling in any pictures either, that's kind of a scary one. Uh something about me that's kind of funny, like I'm, I'm obviously very insecure about people who have wealth. So if I see anyone who's like real rich or has a nice fancy car, I just immediately swipe no. Cause so I'm, <laughs> that's probably a problem. Like it would be good for me to be with somebody who's got a lot of money so they can help me, you know, survive on this pittance that I get for doing the shit that I love to do. But I don't know, man, I, I just find, um, I, I find it a, unattractive and unappealing I know a lot of girls are out there so that probably take that one with a grain of salt because I'm kind of fucked I think probably most girls think would be you know impressed that you've got your shit together but for me for some reason you know I like I'm scared of people with good cars Uh, if you've only got one photo then yeah I I don't know it's hard to tell what you're like so I probably will say no Um, if you've got gold rings this is on the same vein as the fancy car if you've got like gold rings and bling and like a you know like a red peace sign or like you're doing one of those like the man version of the duck face you know like your lips together and you look real cool and you're staring at the camera i'll for sure just not swipe it my thing i think well this is all fucking stupid this is how dumb my brain is like My thing is authenticity, right? This is the thing that I kind of constantly harp on about that. Oh, just be yourself. Like you got to just be the most authentic version of you possible. I don't want any bullshit. I don't want to deal with somebody's costume of themselves. So when I see somebody in like a duck face, like selfie pose or whatever, I just immediately I'm like, that's not what your head looks like. Why are you doing that? I'm I'm not going to talk to you if you look at me like that. So why would you do that in a photo? But then at the same time, when I take pictures of myself and put them up on my social media, I make the most horrific faces. I put just the stupidest face on because I'm trying to make an act of protest against the selfie face while at the same time doing exactly the same thing. I'm just hiding behind this costume of like, I'm so silly, I don't care. Because really, at the end of the day, I'm probably totally insecure that you're gonna think I'm ugly. So it's better that I just look ugly so that you can't tell me I'm ugly because I got to it first. <laughs> um yeah, and again in the same vein, like I'm totally not into somebody if they say they're a lawyer or they like work in finance. <laughs> I don't know. I just I money is at the literally the very bottom of my value chain. So I just I could not give a fuck. Um if you're a man and you're taking pictures in yoga poses, also, like it's totally judgmental of me, but I I, I don't know. I immediately get turned off by that. Um, bintang singlets, like that you've been to Bali and you're wearing a Bintang singlet. It's just the, such a classic Australian tourist move that, um, I mean, these are getting pretty fucking superficial here now, guys. And this is totally my own perspective, so, you know, do what you want. Oh, yeah, and if anyone says something like, living my best life, yellow, positive vibes, (laughs) y'all, some shit like that, you know. It's just fucking corny, that's all. Um, But on the positive side, like, the reason why I would pick somebody that I actually, you know, like, the ones that I have liked or whatever, it's... Usually if they have, like, some nicely aesthetically pleasing photos. you I've been matching a bunch with, like, photographers and shit because they have really nice photos. <laughs> they obviously care about their production value. They're doing some cool shit. They have a brain that can see things in an aesthetically, you know, pleasing way. So that's kind of nice. They have a good smile, and obviously I can see their eyes, and they look like they're not a serial killer. Um, definitely somebody with a witty bio. Someone today had said some shit about... Um, how they loved, ah, fuck, they love a good rug sale or some stupid shit. I don't know. The whole thing all together, you know, I'm not doing it justice, to be honest, but there was a whole list of very silly and sarcastic things that he loved on his bio, and it just made me smile, so I said yes to that. Um, If they like reading books or have brains, then I'm curious about them. Though the real downfall there is that usually if somebody's really smart, they tend to be not so funny, and that's always my thing, like, I... I love a real smarty s- smart person, intelligent human, but they also have to be witty, and that's a delicate balance it's a bit tough and then probably if they are super smart and super witty, then they'll find me corny and painful, <laughs> so I don't know um but so anyway so, so this is there's that's kind of my demographic anyway. This is the people that I've been swiping left and right to um and the funny thing is, too, like when so I'm looking and I'm like really analyzing all of these photos and shit. And then when I think that maybe I should say yes to him, I start like projecting out like, oh, fuck. Well, what happens if we if we actually match? Like what I even what I even talk to him? Like, what am I going to say? What what even happens? What if they wear those glasses out? <laughs> this is so fucking stupid. I talked to one of my friends about this. He's a guy and he goes, um, I'll, look, I'm I'm just speaking from my perspective and most of the dudes that I know, but we pretty much go on to Tinder and just swipe yes to everything that appears. Just it, don't even look at the pictures. Just swipe yes until there's no more likes available, and then whoever matches me, then I'll go and actually look at their profile. I was like, fucking hell, if I did that, because almost, um, almost all probably because all the guys in the world are doing this very thing. Almost all of the ones that I've said yes to ended up being a match. So I could imagine if I just went through and said yes to everybody, I would have fucking like 300 matches that I'd have to sift through. So I think it's good that somebody here, either me or them, is being a little bit fucking discerning, right, with their taste. But, uh, oh, God. And then once you do swipe them and then you're matched to them, it's like this really weird, confusing mix of like immediate anxiety and then um, kind of excitement and validation, I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, of course you're into me. Why wouldn't you be? And then at the same time, I go, oh, fuck, what am I going to do now? How do I deal with this? Um, I pretty much, like, if I match them, then I'll go back and look and see who they are so I can remember if they were worth talking to or whatever or what that what I could talk to them about. And then... Um, and then I just send him a message straight away. I don't know if that's like weird etiquette if people on Tinder are like, "Fuck, she's fucking keen." But it seems a bit silly. Like if you m- match each other, because I have noticed that that in people that I've matched with, like throughout the course of the day, when I'm not looking at Tinder, and then they've matched me, and then I've n- none the wiser, and then nobody messages anybody, and they just sit there, like we just sit there in each other's inbox doing nothing. And I, I don't really get it. Like I don't understand the point. If you match them, I guess you probably should talk to them. Um, it would be like staring at someone at a bar all night long just staring at them constantly making eye contact and then just getting up and leaving (laughs) it's fucking so weird so as soon as I match someone or like within the day pretty much of matching someone I'll go and just send them a message about whatever's happening on their profile or try and say something stupid oh fucking a couple times especially at the start there was a couple ones where I was trying to be really funny and then I read them later, and I was so embarrassed with myself. <laughs> you can't take it back. I don't know. Sometimes in the moment you think you're being hilarious, and then after it's done, it's like, oh god! You just see how hard you're trying. I do this a lot. Like I think um, I I feel sometimes like I'm a bit competitive with funniness. Like, if somebody says something funny, I feel immediately like I have to match it or be funny back. And I kind of realize, like, I'm not actually having a conversation. I'm just playing tennis and trying to hit the ball back as hard as I can. And I don't know. That's probably pretty exhausting for people. So I've stopped all that now. And I just literally, like, whatever comes into my head, I just say to people. And, uh, And I've been having some pretty good conversations. Pretty fun. Um... Oh, and then this is the other funny thing about it, and this is what led me on to thinking about this whole concept of the self, is that when I go on to Tinder, I'd say, like at least eighty-five percent of the time that I'm on Tinder, I'm looking at my own bio. <laughs> Does anyone else do that? I would go on there and just um, and like reread what I've written from a bunch of different perspectives. Like, so if I match with somebody, I'll get a... An imagination of who they are inside my head. And then I'll go back and read my bio from that person's perspective and be like, oh, what did they think? (laughs) It's so fucking nutty. But um so as I like, I read my bio back, and the first one I did was so try-hard. I was trying to be funny, I think, and I was trying to be like different, and it was so silly. That it looked like I didn't care, like I was just being so sarcastic. There there was not an ounce of my personality in it. It was just like a bunch of nonsense words. And I said I showed it to one of my friends, and he was like, he's like, this all this is, you're just saying a bunch of nothing. And essentially what you've done is just build a brick wall between you and anybody that could be interested in maybe talking to you about anything. You've said nothing about your values or your interests or anything at all. You literally are just, like, it's it's not even funny. You're just being an asshole. (laughs) That was embarrassing. That was hard to hear for a second because I 100% knew that he was right, but, you know, I don't know. I'm so insecure, man. How do you write about yourself? What the fuck are you supposed to say? And I don't I don't have any idea how I'm coming across to other people because I I know myself well enough and I understand all my my history and my background enough to know that I'm joking. So I put all these like pictures of me cross-eyed and real gross selfies, a lot of the gross ones that I put on my Instagram and stuff just to be a dick. I put them on there. But nobody fucking knows me. Nobody has any idea that um, I'm joking. That They could just think I'm fucking nuts. And at first I, I looked at my bio and I was like, no, nah, no, nah, this is cool, this is funny. And then I started looking at people on Tinder and I realized I can't actually tell if another person is totally fucking insane or if they're doing the same thing as me. You know, there's some guys that have pictures, like literally selfies that are going up their nostrils. You know, it's like kind of a foggy lens and it's just all you can kind of see is like their chin and their hair and like a beard. And I'm like, oh, either this person is super funny or they have zero concept of themselves in the world. And I I don't know. I don't know who they are. And I'm way too scared to match them because what if they're a serial killer? (laughs) Like what if they really are one of those people that just has no fucking idea what's going on in the world and they think that that was a hot picture? I don't know. So I was a bit, you know, I was a bit embarrassed when my friend told me I was being an idiot. But I changed it, and now I've had actually some very good conversations with people, and I've been having a bit of fun with it because it, it definitely now refre- reflects my personality a little bit more. And there's a ton of people on there that don't even have a bio at all, and I get it. I, I totally understand. I, unfortunately, it kind of makes you feel like you don't want to match them because you don't want to have to deal with tr- trying to figure out if they're a psycho or not. But the I understand why, man, it's so fucking hard to n- know yourself and express that to another person in an authentic way with, you know, 250 characters on fucking Tinder. So this kind of leads me on to the actual real subject of the podcast today. You can never, I think we have this obsession with selfies, with social media, with social media profiles, with Tinder. Not just because it connects us to other people kind of in a way, but more it's like we can never really know ourselves and we're attempting forever to try and see who we are. And by putting shit out there and like cultivating this persona, we can kind of let this avatar go out and experience reality while we sit behind it and watch and learn about what it's like to be a human out there in the world. Is it's really fucking hard to know who you are. So if you just take a second, a little quick thought experiment. Like, who are you? What is yourself? Like, are you the body sitting in the chair? Are you the brain that's listening to the words I'm saying? A little bit of both. Are you infinite golden consciousness trapped inside a human body trying to fulfill your ultimate higher purpose and meaning in life? You know what I mean? Like, what... What is this thing that you say is you? Are you the awareness of the consciousness of being a human being? So here's a little fun thought experiment, and um, you know, I'm not trying to spin you out. If you've had a big weekend on the fucking crack, it's probably this. This may not be the best moment to sit down and have this podcast in your ears, but maybe, maybe it might actually solve all your life's problems. So I don't know. Hang in there. Bear with me. So there's um, a neat little thought experiments ab- about this, uh, courtesy of Wikipedia, my friends. In philosophy, they call this thing uh, the Th- Theseus paradox or the ship of Theseus thought experiment. And basically, it goes like this. Say you have an old ship from Greece that was sailed by Theseus. It could be sailed by fucking anybody. It could be Barry's ship, for all we care. It doesn't matter who sailed it, as long as it's really old. There's a ship in the harbor, and it's got historical meaning. So we say, no, we're going to save this ship. We're going to restore it and keep it exactly as it is. Now, the ship's getting a little bit old, so some parts of it start falling off. And so people go in and meticulously restore the little bits of the ship, remove the parts that are damaged, and meticulously restore this ship. And then as many, many hundreds of years pass, the entire ship gets replaced with new parts. So not one ounce of the ship that's left is original. So is that ship the same ship that Theseus sailed through the seas? There's a bunch of different ways of looking at this. And um, for simplicity's sake, I'm just going to give you the two either two of the positive answer and the negative answer to this. So one answer is, yeah, of course it's the same ship. They rebuilt it exactly the way it was designed to be built over time. The ship still serves its original purpose, which is this historical model of a beautiful ship that we once knew, and it uh, still looks exactly the same because it's got the same design. The other answer is, of course, no, it's not the same ship, Why would it be? Because none of the original parts are there. So that bed wasn't actually the bed that Theseus masturbated on. It's a bed, it's a replica of the bed that Theseus masturbated on, and we don't buy it. Cool, it's still a cool looking ship, but it's definitely not the original ship. So then uh, a philosopher called Thomas Hobbes took this one little step further, and he said, All right, all right, wait a second now. How about this? What if, while we were repairing the ship over these many hundreds of years, we kept all of the old pieces that were rotten and and needed to be taken off of the boat? We take them and we store them in a time capsule. And then over time, we actually learn how to, um, you know, regenerate wood, exactly the same original wood we can restore it to its exact perfect original glory. And then they take those parts and rebuild the exact original ship out of the original materials. Now you've got two boats. You've got one sitting in the harbor and one sitting in a time capsule and they're both identical. Which one is now the original ship? And there's, not, there's no right or wrong answer here. The, you know, the whole point of this is to think about it um, from all of its many uh, angles. So you know, pa- pause the podcast. This is what's fucking beautiful about a podcast is you don't have to have an answer right now. You can sit there and think about it as long as you want to and listen to me ramble on about nothing. Most of you, I would say, would probably answer that the boat that's inside the time capsule is actually the original boat because it's got the original materials now. It still has the same design and it still serves the same purpose. So the thing that's interesting about all that is not necessarily uh, just this boat and what happens with this boat, whether it's Barry's boat or Theseus' boat. The thing that's interesting is what would happen if you applied that exact same logic to you, the human being? Because your cells are constantly replicating and replacing themselves. There was a, I I don't know, meme idea. There was an idea floating around a while ago that um, every single cell in your body regenerates itself every seven years, seven to ten years. So you, seven years ago, potentially don't have a single same cell that you had seven years earlier. It's not entirely true because uh, a lot of your cells in your brain stem, I think your uh, and the gray matter of your brain don't really replicate that much. And your heart also doesn't replicate. So you still have some original bits that you were born with. But for the most part, yeah, you're constantly regenerating your cells. So just because you constantly regenerated cells and you don't have any of your original cells, does that not, does that make you not you? Not necessarily. Try telling your mom that next time you go home for Christmas and she doesn't understand why you're, you know, punching people in the face for a living instead of going to school like you promised. (laughs) It's not me, mom. It's my new toes. (laughs) Well, And there's also, I mean, this is a fucking crazy idea, man, because what is it about me that makes me me if it's not my fingernails, if it's not my toenails, if it's not my hair? And new science in uh, new neuroscience, I suppose we should say, is showing that you can constantly be regenerating your brain cells. Your brain is constantly remapping itself. This is a concept called neuroplasticity. And I talked about it a little bit in the last time I did a solo podcast. And it's like, even when you think you have these like hardcore, deep-in personality traits that are unmovable, you can actually change the way your brain functions if you have a stroke an entire section of your brain gets damaged there is some evidence to suggest that you can repair around that region and learn how to walk again or talk again and this is called it's called neurogenesis it's creating new neurons inside your brain for a long time they thought that this was totally impossible but it's actually possible so anyway you might even be able to completely rewire your entire fucking brain someday so what is it about you that makes you, you? Is it your memories? Because it's not your body. As we've already discussed, your body's constantly fucking changing. You know, it's not your hair, for sure, because your hair constantly dies and changes. Is it the con- it's this continuous stream of you-ness that gives you the illusion of being a thing that did stuff yesterday and five years ago, generally seems to be the thing that makes you you but if that's the case if you lost all of your memories would you still be you if you got high as fuck possibly too high to listen to this podcast right now and then you couldn't remember the entire last hour of your life were you you during that hour and here's another fucking crazy idea If you lost all of your memories, say you just wake up one day, you have a terrible brain injury, you've lost all of your memories, you don't know who you are, you don't know where you came from, you know nothing about your life, but you have a Facebook profile with all of your information in it. Would you still be the you that posted all that shit? Would you be able to reconstruct the original you out of the shit that you posted on the internet from Splendor in the Grass in 1997? I think it's safe to say, in order for me to get out of this fucking loop of cyclic thinking, that we are a very complex, complicated mix of all of the above things, including, especially and very importantly, a few very clever illusions that our brain employs to simplify the chaos of being a fucking self-aware, conscious thing that knows it's going to die. So the point of that entire (laughs) tangent was that It's fucking hard to know yourself. So how the fuck are you supposed to sell yourself to somebody else if you don't even know what you are? So here's my theory on the old social media thing. I have a theory that we need a feedback loop in order to know that we are a self. The only reason that we know that we exist in the world is because we can touch things that are external to us and it gives us back a sensory feedback loop. Like, I know that I'm not my bottle of water because when I look at it and touch it, it's external to me. I can take my hand off of it and it doesn't come with me, I guess. You know what I mean? I I'm like this movable body that has senses. I can feel myself different than the water bottle or the table or the computer that I'm looking at. And I think that we can only get sort of so far in just sitting in a room thinking about Theseus's ship and what it means to be a human all on our own. But if I really wanna understand something, it's important to like bounce my ideas off of another person just in case I've missed something. So in the same way that my water bottle helps me to find the end of my body and the start of something external to me, it's the same idea with ideas. If I have an idea inside my head and I'm mulling it over and then I say it out loud to somebody else, they can help me look at it from a different angle And, you know, maybe think about it from a different perspective and then I can mold that idea better and then back and forth and back and forth until maybe we come up with a cool idea about something. Ideas are only so good if they're just bouncing around in my head because I only have this one perspective. Everything's got to come through my brain. And one good way to illustrate this is like I can sit here and think that I'm a thing all day. But then when I actually have to like go outside and be that thing in the world, I have to make it happen. I actually have to make it happen. There's going to be some kind of feedback loop that tells me, yes, I was successfully that thing or I wasn't. Like So, for example, I could say that I'm a fighter in my bedroom every day for six weeks. Wake up and be like, yep, I'm a fighter today. I'm definitely a fighter. And then go to work at Kohl's, you know. And then the epic fight show appears six weeks later. And then... I go and watch it from the crowd and at the end of the show, I have to like look around and realize that the whole six weeks of me leading up to that fight show saying that I was a fighter didn't actually get me in the ring. The show went on without me and that feedback loop of that external world of actually having a fight show out there in the world confirmed to me that I'm not the thing that I imagined I was inside my head, right? It dissolved my illusion. So the next time that I think about being a fighter, I actually have to decide, like, oh, fuck, I need to go and do what fighters do. I need to, like, train, practice, eat right, focus, and get some verification from experts that do this thing that I've done the work that that I should have done to be able to have a fight. So then I'll go into the ring and then this time, the, feedback, the new feedback loop will actually confirm my belief. In fact, like this belief only existed and came into fruition because I f- took physical action in the real world. So I had to have this feedback loop in order to become the thing that I imagined in my head that I would. So the same applies to our personality traits, our thoughts, and all of our beliefs about who we are in the world. We come up with an idea, and then we kind of like test them out in the world. And every once in a while... We'll have an idea about something, and then reality fucking slaps us in the face and tells us that you're an idiot because you were wrong. This, in psychology, the, the word for this is actually co- is called cognitive dissonance. So if you've ever heard of that term, basically what it means is that you have an idea in your head about the way things are, and then something true comes and slaps you in the face and goes, nope, that's not the way things are. And it's a pretty intense experience. It's pretty fucking... It can be... It can make you feel... You can either double down on your wacky beliefs, or you can allow the reality of the situation to come in and, you know, shatter off that little piece of your personality that you thought was real. It's um, <laughs> a funny example of when this happened to me once. I um, last year was talking to my friend about Easter and uh, w- where I grew up. I grew up in a small town in the mountains, and my parents are h- hippies. They weren't total hippies; they were kind of like New Agey. Uh, no, nah, not at all. They were like. They're just different. They like taking care of their body. They fed us good food. We didn't have a television growing up. I read books all the time and played cards by myself in my bedroom. Like, um, this is kind of my experience of reality. And every year for Easter, I would get super excited because my mom would buy a bunch of eggs, and we'd boil them into hard-boiled eggs, and then we'd decorate them. And then my parents would take the eggs and hide them all around my house. And on Easter morning, it was the ultimate excitement to jump out of bed, open up my Easter basket, see all of the fun things I got, new new drawing pencils, probably some oranges and a few nuts, and then I, we would have the big Easter egg hunt where I, my brother and I would frantically run around the house searching for hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> And I was telling my friend this story and I was like, yeah, you know, when Easter comes and you get to boil all the eggs and you dye all these eggs and then you get to like run around the house and collect them. And then my family, we used to make deviled eggs out of all the boiled eggs that we got <laughs> from the Easter egg hunt. <laughs> and he's looking at me like I'm fucking nuts. And he finally goes, you, act, you went hunting for boiled eggs. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, of course. What did you hunt for? i thinking he's an idiot. And he's like, chocolate eggs, plastic eggs filled with chocolates and candies. Like, why would any kid get excited about finding a boiled egg? <laughs> I know. I know. So anyways, the whole point of that stupid little tangent was I th- I was telling a story from my perspective about the r- reality of Easter, that this is what happens on Easter and it's normal for everybody. And then I realized with a crushing huge slap of shame in my belly that my entire experience of Easter was wrong this whole time and that I, that I was so ashamed of myself that I got excited about boiled Easter eggs because all of my friends were probably getting chocolate eggs. No wonder I was a fucking weird kid at school. So anyways, the point is I could sit here inside my studio and think I'm hilarious, and think that I've got it all together. But if you put me on stage in front of a group of people and told me to do five minutes of stand-up, I'd fucking self-combust. But they get, but you know, then again, even just saying that, like that's a silly, that's another belief that I have inside my head about what I'm capable of and what I'm not capable of. And a lot of this kind of self-defeating behavior is again an insulation against taking a risk and doing something out in the world. I'm fucking scared of being embarrassed in front of people I'm not, not only because I find out every once in a while that people don't search for boiled eggs in their house because I'm an idiot and my parents raised me weird, but just in general, like, I'm a, we're social beings and it's fucking scary doing something stupid in front of a bunch of people. But, um, you know, so I have this idea about what I'm capable of and who I should be, and then I just go, oh, no, I could never do that. And what automatically happens is that I never do that, except for you know, in two weeks when I'm having a live podcast with Ben Johnson, the world light heavyweight champion on the Gold Coast. Tickets are $5 at my website, LornaBremner.com. So, anyways, back to the point. Who am I on Tinder or on anywhere else? I don't know if this is mental or if this is normal. And by all means, please do write me and tell me because I would love to know. But with Tinder now and, you know, previously with all my other social media things, I, I talked about this just at the start of the podcast. Like, I will continuously go back. As soon as I meet somebody new out there in the world and talk to them and then we eventually exchange, like, either phone number or Facebook or whatever – I will go back to my own Facebook profile and then, like, analyze it and scrutinize it, all of my posts and my pictures and this dumb shit that I've said from my imagination of their perspective. But, you know, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, so I'll meet somebody who's into political activism and then I'll um, go back through my profile and be like, Am I, did I? did I say the right thing? Did I use the wrong gender here? Like, is this okay? <laughs> and it's all what I'm looking for is my own shame in my imagination of what that person might maybe think about something that i maybe said like how fucking nutty is that this is my imagination of someone else looking at my imagination of myself how the fuck do i know what they want what i think is cool could be totally shit to somebody else like imagine this Here's a a super easy example. Just like the gym selfie thing that I was talking about before. Like the selfies that girls take with their head to the side and then like their lips and this unnatural pout and they're taking it from a downward camera angle. And yeah, maybe it does look nice in your head, but that's not what you look like. Nobody looks like that. And if you looked at me like that while you were talking to me, it would be so hard for me not to hit you in the face. So like, You think that you're looking attractive in these photos, and you probably are. Like maybe they do look good. But what if the man that you want to marry looks at that photo and goes, What an idiot. You know what I mean? Like in their head they go, idiot, instead of oh hot. And I don't know what I don't know what men think. Men maybe just look at it and go, Oh, babe. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking, but for the most part like if I was a guy and I was looking at girls and I see a girl doing a weird selfie like that, I'd be like, God damn, embarrassing. It depends on how hot she is, you know, and how big her tits are obviously, but. Um, so if you could know what, the, what your perspective human that you wanna marry would think of a photo like that, obviously it's gonna change how you post that photo. I mean, I find it really interesting hearing myself and other friends talking about people that we attract and, like, oh, what's wrong with those fucking dickheads? This guy's a loser. And then it's like, yeah, really? I mean, have you considered what you're selling? You know, what I mean, how many duck face, pouty face selfies have you got on there? And how many dudes have you met on Tinder because of your duck face, pouty, stupid tit photo? You know? You probably are attracting a dickhead because why wouldn't you? But hold on a second here. Let's not get too caught up in that. Because spending all of your time thinking about what someone else is going to think of you and more importantly, your imagination of a stranger and what your imagination of that stranger might be maybe thinking of you should have no bearing on the kind of action that you take in the world. You know, that's just a recipe for pure neuroticism, anxiety, depression, and fucking mental illness. You know, like, if every step that I take, I'm worried that someone's not going to think I look cool doing it, like, that's fucking super dangerous territory. So that's not the whole picture, all right? There's a lot more to this story. Our entire conception of ourself can't just be boiled down to, like, taking action and then getting validation for it on the Internet. I think we as social creatures get a lot of satisfaction and well-being from interaction with other people, but we also get a lot of satisfaction from doing things that kind of, like, authentically feel true inside ourselves on our own Um, good examples of this are like surfing um, exercise drawing music you know shooting up heroin in psychology they call this thing intrinsic value things that feel good from the inside out like if you don't get anything out of it there's not like a material gain at the end of it there's no reward at the end of it it's just that feeling of like Just being totally engaged in that immediate moment of whatever it is that you're doing. And it feels fucking good. So if I use drawing as an example, because this is one of the times that I feel this way. um, If I'm drawing something, I'm listening to good music, and I'm just sitting in my room, and I'm just drawing something, I feel totally connected to that thing that I'm drawing. And the drawing itself, at the end, the end process of that is an extrinsic thing. They call this extrinsic, it's external. It's external. It's a material artifact of that intrinsic process of making the drawing at the time. So the external, the extrinsic reward for an intrinsic process. Uh, The drawing, yeah, you get what I mean. I don't need to fucking keep rambling on. So I believe that the real nature of the self is somehow a sort of harmonious balance of intrinsic experiences and then extrinsic feedback loops so we feel curious, then we experience something intrinsically powerful because we took action and we become immediately active in the present moment. Then we like that feeling, so we seek it again, but it doesn't quite feel the same way. We wonder why. We kind of realize that, oh, I was looking for the extrinsic value there. I was looking for the fucking Facebook likes or I was looking to make a great drawing that it would sell on the internet. And we lost sight of that intrinsic value the way that it made us feel to do the thing. And so then we try to go back to our intrinsic values, spend time on our own, you know, pick up a guitar, try and learn how to play a song, whatever, and then we try again. So I think in my head, this is the real experience of being a self. If you're not continually checking back in with your internal self and then testing it with external feedback loops, you know, I think that's where pathology tends to come about i mean obviously i'm not a fucking psychologist i don't know i just read some shit on philosophy on the wikipedia now i'm talking to a microphone and all of this sprung from me putting myself out there on the fucking (laughs) internet but it is like it's been an amazing experiment it's a crazy experiment the amount that i've learned about myself and my own weird tendencies and my own like need to be seen but then need to be cool and need to be funny and all of this shit it's pretty fucking hilarious when you actually think about it so, really, at the end of the day, in conclusion, at the end of all this, instead of working towards our imagination of ourselves and others, maybe just every once in a while, sitting back and taking like a big three hundred and sixty degree view of our immediate experience of reality can sort of ease the ex that fucking confusion and all the scary pitfalls of thinking that we need to be a something I need to be a f- funny i need I need to be an artist, I need to whatever it is if we are constantly worried about what other people are thinking or what other people are doing or how we should be or how we should be in somebody's eyes. We tend to compare ourselves a lot to others. We judge people a lot and all of that shit, it is helpful in a way. Like, And I think that's why we tend to do it is it is sort of helpful to be like, fuck, I don't want to be like that guy or I really don't like what's going on with that selfie. It looks so insecure the reason why it looks insecure is because you feel uncomfortable about something that you're doing and that's the real thing it's like by experiencing the, these external feedback loops the point is not to notice the external feedback loops and then judge other people for being fuckwits it's more like what is that external feedback what is my feeling about that external feedback loop tell me about me and what i'm doing right now think that's the idea the concept is like the mirror concept and I've been talking about this a bunch obviously ever since the circle jerk podcast where I made a big fool of myself on the internet um and sometimes it it takes that sometimes it takes doing something shameful and embarrassing to realize that you're being a dick you know some some are an honest friend I have a friend of mine um the guy that actually helped me with my tinder profile He's a very honest friend, a bit socially awkward, so he just says whatever the fuck's happening in the inside of his brain. Um, so I was hanging out with him, uh, and I've known him for a while, so he knows me pretty well, and he took me to hang out with some of his friends that I didn't know. And so the whole time I was there, I was you know, being charming and funny and easy to get along with and laughing I'm um, just laughing all the time, and then it, so at one point I laughed at something that someone said, but no one else really laughed at it. And the guy was pumped. He, he looked around and he's like, "Well, geez, I'm glad that you like that because no one else did." And then my friend goes, "No, she didn't like that." Lorna just laughs at anything when she's awkward in a social situation. <laughs> And I was, I, at the time I was like, nah, man, it was funny. Fuck you. You didn't even get it. You know, I just got real defensive trying to fit in, in this social group that I didn't know these people. And he, and he wasn't being an asshole, but then, you know, in the middle of my belly, it just felt pure hot shame. Like, fuck, no, I didn't. And then like six months later, I was hanging out with a totally different group of people, different, completely different group of friends where I was really comfortable. And I noticed that one of the people there, this, uh, there was a lady that was with us, and she was just like laughing for no reason, no matter what anyone said. And I thought to myself, oh, fucking what a dick. This lady's so uncomfortable. <laughs> She's just laughing all the time at nothing. There's no reason to be laughing. Here she is just sitting there laughing. And then I, that fucking tiny little shameful piece of my personality that fell off when my friend made fun of me in front of all his friends rose up and stared me straight in the face and was like, ha, see Lorna, you were doing that. You were being the awkward laugher in the situation you were uncomfortable in. And I was too ashamed of myself to admit it at the time that that was the truth. So you know, sometimes you need these external feedback loops and me making that horrific judgment against a nice lady who was awkward allowed me at that exact moment while the shame came up and hit me straight in the face to have a little bit of empathy for her and be like, fuck, she's just uncomfortable so I could engage her in the conversation a little bit more. And, you know, she laughed. (laughs) Anyway, Jesus, that's enough for me for one day. I've almost talked for an entire hour. I've just rambled. I've been listening to this great podcast. Um, It's a guy in Ireland. It's it's called The Blind Boy Podcast, if anyone's interested in um, listening to it. He talks a lot about psychology, and he's an Irish guy. He's just super funny. And I'm really enjoying listening to him just ramble shit and not that I'm trying to copy him necessarily but it's just really nice to have an idea inside my head that I kind of map out a little bit and then just talk about it um hope it's interesting to you guys and by all means you know love to hear your feedback as always I'm still going to do whatever the fuck I want to do because you know it's my podcast and I do what I want but um you know some feedback would be useful and helpful as always Um, If you like the podcast, if you enjoy any of the stuff that I'm doing, uh, you can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Lorna Bremner, and you can become a patron there for five bucks a month. You can support my podcast and all my dreams and help me just in case I get kicked out of this country. My visa is still pending review right now, and if I get kicked out of this country, I will have to go and work somewhere out there in the world, and I cannot stomach the idea of working in a cafe again hopefully i'll be teaching muay thai wherever i go but fucking i you know i'm not even putting it out there i'm staying here australia is going to keep me it's my home i fucking love this place but anyway if i had some income coming in through patreon because of the podcast i do i produce four of these episodes a month and i do it all for free because i fucking love doing it and uh it's always going to be free and i want to try and keep it commercial free so that i don't have to have sponsors and shit on the podcast so if you want to help me out please do, by all means, go there. You can do a single-time donation or do join up for monthly direct debit, five bucks, whatever. Whatever you can afford. If you can't do that, that's all good. You could still share the podcast, tell your friends, like my social media stuff, whatever. All of it helps. I'm not big on social media, but um, I am having fun with it now, just doing a bunch of really stupid shit. And um, I don't know, I'm trying not to resent it too much because I know it's a good way of me reaching out and getting this shit out to people that want to hear it. Um, I will have the some references to some of the things that I talked about in this podcast up on my website. It's LornaBremner.com. And we still have got tickets left for that live podcast that I've slyly mentioned a few times already in this podcast. Um, and they are at LornaBremner.com. Also, it's on the 20th of January on the Gold Coast. Hope you guys have a wonderful week. Thank you, as always, for listening, commenting, liking all my stupid shit love you. Have a great day.